Hello and welcome to The Leaderverse with your hosts, Drew Lee, Lucas Sheradin, and me, Jesse Button. Is what you're doing in alignment with your core values? Are you confusing who you are with what you do? Today, Lucas is asking the big question, how do we know when we're being authentic? Coach Drew takes us through some deepening questions, you guys. These are so cool. Like, what's your personal mission? And how are your organizations and your relationships supporting that? Stay tuned to the end also for permission granted for your values to change. Did you know that that could happen? (laughs) Folks, welcome to the Leaderverse. We talk about it on this podcast a lot. How do I really know that I'm being authentic? Because here's my tension, and this is where I've been thinking about last day or so. How do I know I'm being authentic and just challenged in the moment versus I need to go do something different? You know, it's like, what, what challenges do I need to press through? And what challenges, like, and this just isn't me. I, I've, I've done roles, I've done jobs, I've been affiliated with companies of like, this just isn't me being authentic. I'm having to be somebody that I'm not. But then the flip side, Drew, like you, you coach a lot of people. When they start out, they aren't the same person that they become over time. So they have to reinvent. So how do I know I'm being authentic? Because I think that I want leaders to be authentic. But I, I, can't, I cringe when somebody says, well, I can't do this activity because it's not my personality. Like that, that feels like sometimes that's an excuse. So we talk about authenticity. How do I know? How does a leader, how does somebody on this, listening to this podcast, know that they're being authentic to who they are? Sure. A lot of people feel that way in, in uncertain times of, you know, should I be doing this? Should I still be doing this? In some ways, you got to go back to the root of what what caused you to start to begin with. And I don't mean the starting with why necessarily. I mean, just, you know, whatever business you're in, whatever line of work you do, what did you feel like on your first day? You know, Amazon and Jeff Bezos are notorious for using the idea of day one as their philosophy and their corporate philosophy of, you know, it's always day one. You don't get innovated. You don't get disrupted. If you're always focusing on this day one, well, what was your day one in business? What was your day one on the job? What was your day one in your profession, your career? What were you thinking at that moment? What were you feeling? What were you doing? And and did it feel in alignment from with a value system that you have? Where authenticity shows up for a lot of people is when they feel like they're doing something that's out of alignment with the things that they value. Where does it show up for you, Jesse, Lucas? Wondering when I just don't want to do the thing, am I being, am I being lazy? Am I being bratty? Do I just want to, do I just need a little time off or, or am I actually going against a, a core value? And sometimes when you're in the moment, it's, just, it's super confusing to figure out where you're, where you're at, which one is it? I guarantee you somebody's listening to this right now. And, you know, I, I know my dad probably is the only one listening, but I mean, it's like somebody's listening to this podcast right now and they're like, gosh, I hate my job. I absolutely hate my role. I don't like anything about my life. And so in my mind is that number one, am I out of alignment with who I am? That's being inauthentic. In my mind, authenticity is being in alignment with your thoughts, your values, what's important to you. Then there's 
then there's the thought is like, well, am I just bored? Or is this too challenging that I need to overcome the challenge and I haven't figured it out yet? So I don't know. And I'm thinking through how do we help people really stay authentic with who they are and and yet at the same time, stay away from the people who bounce from vision. They have the vision of the moment. They have the vision of the minute. It's like, oh, I, I'm all in with this. And they do this for a minute and then they bump into hard times and then they quit. And so, and honestly, I guarantee there's people listening right now living in that tension and they don't know how to figure it out. They don't know how to, you know, do I press through? Because I don't, Drew, you coach real estate agents. We don't want anybody to quit because they're bad at something. So being bad at it can't be the, the trigger. But when, 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 I'm, when, I, when do I need to say, nope, this is not who I am, but this is who I am. This is who I choose to be. And when do I say, okay, I choose to be something different inside of what I do right now? And I, maybe that's the duplicity. Maybe that's the con conflict is separating who I am and what I do. And maybe those are two different conversations. That's a huge point. They are different conversations. We often confuse what we do with who we are. You aren't what you yeah. do. That's not who you are. You are not a firefighter. You are not a garbage man. You are not a, you know, a, 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 a unhappy worker or a happy worker at the DMV. You're not a real estate agent. That is a, that is a role that you play in something that you do. And all too often when people confuse their work for their purpose necessarily, they forget that there will come a day in time that you may not be able to do that line of work. Physically you may not be able to do that line at work. You know, I, I was uh, I was at an event uh, a few weeks ago with John Gordon, the author of the Energy Bus, and at that event there was a uh, there were a, a few ex NFL football players, and one of them was a he was a punter. He'd actually played. Uh, he was a place kicker. Excuse me. He was a place kicker in the NFL, and he had he's he may be the only person who's ever played professional uh, soccer in a major league and professional football in a lifetime. And he said, you know, I'm 32 years old and retired. I'm an adult and I have no idea what I'm going to do when I grow up. And so many people confuse themselves of this is who I am versus what I do. You are not your job. You're a human being, not a human doing. Right. I think many people are, it's natural to question yourself, especially if you're discouraged, is should I be doing this? Should I still be doing this? Well, Stephen Covey in the Seven Habits of Highly Successful People taught us a lesson that said, start with the end in mind. And that could be the end of your career, or that could be the end of selling a house or helping somebody with their real estate needs. That could be the end of a work day if you're in corporate America. That could be the end of of hiring or unfortunately firing if you're in HR line of work or if you're in the growth and recruitment of your organization. What's what's your end in mind? And then what does that make you feel when you think about it? When you think about a great ending to a day, a week, a month, a quarter, a year, what goes through your body, through your nervous system? What emotions do you have? It was in 19, it was in 2012, there was a devastating tornado that ripped through Oklahoma. And 
Um, unfortunately, many lives were lost, including um, it even hit an elementary school. It was just, it was one of those days, and especially since we live locally, it was 15 minutes away. You couldn't turn on the news without seeing your community um, absolutely devastated and where houses stood, there were foundations. And it, it seriously looked like just, you know, a bomb went off in a neighborhood and there was just nothing except debris. And at that time, you know, the fact that we help people buy and sell real estate, we're in business and we're in a, you know, a commerce and a, uh, a business that generates a lot of income and it helps. And, and I think it helps a lot of people with a, with a really important need in their life, arguably the most valuable asset many people ever have. It didn't feel important at that time. You know, getting up and doing the work did not feel like it really mattered or moved the needle for humanity. I turn on the news and I see my community devastated. And and at that moment, I was really questioning what I do for a living and the purpose and why I do it. And it's like, I, I remember even saying, it's like, I just don't feel like this is the most meaningful work. I help people who make a lot of money make a lot more money. I help someone that's in business grow a bigger business. Not going to be celebrating me as Mother Teresa for that. And that was my mindset at that moment. And I remember my coach said, You know, you're putting what you do in a box. When you help people, regardless of what you're helping them with, there is a mutual reward. There's the give and there's a take. And the human mind doesn't necessarily distinguish between the level of problem that we have or we're working through. Someone's problem of, hey, where's my next meal going to come from, feels to that person as, as a bigger problem as another human being. It's like, I don't know, the Porsche or the Lexus, or do I want the Tesla? I just can't decide. And, you know, we call those, we jokingly say, those are first world problems, not knowing which car you're going to buy. I don't know. I kind of like that Tesla, but the human mind doesn't operate that way. That's a challenge for that person. That's an issue for that person. They've got to work through the problems of that, of of deciding which car to drive. And the person that's going to help them through that plays a key role in solving that issue for them, working through that storm for them. So, when you're evaluating, you know, am I being authentic? I think you've got to differentiate between what you do professionally, what you do for fun recreation, and, and the why behind why you do it. Who do you help? What difference does it make? What impact does it make? And what do you feel like when you've done a great job? And I had to reevaluate. I said, yeah, you know, I, I don't just help people grow a bit. I really help them through their own challenge, their own storms. I'm that second voice or third voice in their ear offering perspective. So they're not going the journey alone. I'm a guide along the way. How do you define what you do? Who do you help is such an inspiring question because, because you're, that's, that's a perfect story. When, when the world is literally crumbled around you, and people and families are devastated and lives are lost. And you're like, I coach real estate agents. It doesn't feel impactful at that moment, but man, that's great. I want to grab, you know, I want to grab gloves and, and we actually did this and uh, we went and grabbed work gloves and, and we went and, you know, my wife and I, she's, a, she's amazing. 
Uh, we went and drained every CVS and Walgreens and every grocery store and convenience store we could find of, of water and toothpaste and deodorant and the things that, you know, people would need. And then the next morning, you know, we woke up, drove down there to help. And unless you were a Red Cross, uh, EMT, a doctor, you, you had some, some specific skills, you know, the most you could do was, you know, they would say thank you and they would help you unload your trucks and everyone can do a little bit and their own part in some ways. So who do you help? What difference do you make? And then what do you feel about that? Well, and I think for me, Drew, too, one of the questions I flipped because we're all in business and the key lever in business is how do we find leads? And, you know, do we, you know, how do we generate leads and in the real estate space? There's prospecting and marketing and different things. And, and people tend to be resistant to cold calls or prospecting or that. And I, I get it. I understand. And and I don't like it when people say that's not my personality, because what that insinuates is you're victimized by your own behavioral styles, which I think is they don't understand. It's not behavior. It's a choice. And if you choose that to, that's powerful. And if, it, if it's not your personality, that's victim. That's not powerful. And so for me, it's like when I flip the conversation from I need a deal and so I'm going to make as many calls to get a deal to whose prayer can I answer today? Who's out there praying for help in the specific area that I can provide a solution in? It changed my energy completely, whether it's recruiting, whether it's uh, staffing my companies, whether it's finding a buyer or seller for a home, whatever it is, top of funnel type of activity. When I change that, now that all of a sudden leads me back to being authentic because on like I, a few years ago, I went through the exercise in Lori Beth Jones' book, The Path, uh, of defining and putting words to my mission. What is my mission in life? And it, it's an exercise book. It's, it's good concepts. It's good stuff. But it actually has you do the exercise of circle these words, underline these words, throw these words down, and what you're supposed to like you. And it took me like three months. I'm a slow student. Once I defined it, I was like, gosh, I could rid that back of, back of a napkin. Duh, that makes so much sense for me. Now I have a North Star, Drew. And I, I think I, I'm concerned that a lot of our friends and a lot of people listening are in positions of leadership. They've never defined their mission. They, they literally will not know it if they succeed other than the emotional feelings that they have on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. So what would it look like if I clearly, you know, what vision is, is the picture in my head of what success looks like and you know, what my preferred future looks like. It's a picture. That's why it's called vision. It's, it's not called blur. It's called vision. It's like, I, I want to see it before I could see it. And so I, I'm thinking about that, that I, in my mind, if I'm going to really be authentic, I have to know what my mission and vision is. In life. I have to know what do I really value? Not what do I just put on the wall? You know, it's like a lot of companies have values on the wall, belief systems on the walls, and that's what they are. They're on the wall. But like, as I operate, what do I really value? What do I do? Because that's just important to me. What do I, you know, what do I endeavor in? So I think outside of that, it's hard to be authentic if you haven't defined what winning looks like, what mission looks like, what vision looks like, and what do you really value? Do you value people? And we all want to say we do. But maybe we don't. I don't know. I'm not here to judge your values. I'm just saying it looks different. Because then I think a lot of people like in the business space define winning on money. And I get it. But money looks different in Mother Teresa's hands than it did in Adolf Hitler's. It's the same dollar, though. Because it reflects the value. It reflects the value. You know, maybe <laughs> I hate to say this because this is going to get bad emails. But maybe Adolf Hitler was being very authentic to who he really was. 
Maybe he really was purely evil and he was authentic. I, that's not endorsing. Authentically Hitler. evil is, yes, correct. Yes. I would agree with that. Yes. And so, like, so maybe authentic, authenticity, we need to separate it from moral and ethical. But, like, what really is our mission? What, I, here's what I found out just coaching and talking to people, Jesse, and I see you getting ready to jump in. Is I, I go, I'm teaching today, and I'll probably have, you know, 35 people in a, in a brokerage that sit down and listen to me for an hour. I guarantee you, I could say this. I know this about every one of you that there's something inside of you that says, I've been successful or I've not been successful and irrelevant, but you all have this aching cry inside of you. There has to be something more. I can say that in any room and they're like, how do you know? Because it's the human condition because I don't think we clearly define what winning looks like. We don't clearly define For ourselves. how will I know that I hit my mission in life and I'm fulfilled. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Jesse? I know you were trying to jump in a moment ago, but I got really drunk. I, I, I had a moment. I, I've been a, a CEO of a, of a company of about 200 people before, and I had values on the wall, um, but they weren't mine. They were written by the leader of the whole organization. Those were, those were their values. That was his values. And the first time I heard them, you know what I did? I went, wow, me too. So they weren't really mine. I loved the message. I believed in the message and the mission and the vision values. And I pushed it, but you are hundred percent right. I never actually took the time to say, are these mine? Well, and that's what I think. Okay. I think you just hit this. It's like, we hire people into our companies and we hire them based upon a skill set, not based upon a value set. We hire them based upon what they can do and their tasks and their competency at a job. But we don't hire them based upon value. And in my mind, we hire people because of skill. But if I ever have to fire a staff member or an employee, I do it because of lack of character. So why in the world do we not hire for character and values first? Because I could teach skill set to anybody who has the same values. That's what well, I'm wondering is like, how do we know that people are being authentic to themselves? Without, that, that's, that's the crux of my conversation today. Well, so often, especially in a professional organization, you know, going with values and mission is because that's usually not part of the interview process. It's not part of the evaluation or the quarterly evaluation process. You know, you don't say, well, great. Hey, thanks for sitting down with me today. I'd like to discuss, you know, what's your personal mission and how our organization may align with that? How can we help you, there you go. How can we help you achieve your mission? And, and let's start there. What do you value? When I see most companies talk about values, they talk about the values in a big picture, not, necessary, not necessarily in a day-to-day usable way. Mm. You know, I, my value as a company is honesty. Okay, well, what's the opposite of that? We're going to do business with people who lie to us or are dishonest? You know, you shouldn't have a deal killer value for your organization. Like if somebody breaks it, we're just done. There, you know, there's a there's a book called Traction by the author Gino Wickman. And he said, you know, uh, companies feel compelled to have things like integrity or honesty as part mm-hmm. of their value system. He said, but like, what's the opposite? If you find out people aren't in integrity or they're they're not honest or they're um you know, they're, they're fraudulent in their behavior and they're untrustworthy. You're going to keep them around. No, we're just done. He he said, those are just pay to play values. What are the ones that we can periodically reevaluate 
where a person shows up or not. One question I would encourage everyone that's listening just to ask themselves is when I'm incredibly successful at what I'm doing, what's the outcome and how I feel about it? Like if you're in a role and you're and the way you're evaluated is based on results, regardless of what it is, when you're incredibly successful, you have an amazing knock it out of the park week based on the expectations, the key performance indicators, the, the measurements of that role. If you have an incredible successful week, what's what do you feel at the end of that day or at the end of that yeah. week? I think people confuse the way with the why. The way yeah. to do something. I, that's not my personality. I'm not a cold caller. I don't like right. bothering people. I don't want to door knock. I don't want to do these things. I don't want to impose. I don't want to call people and see if they're see see if they want to change technologies or software. That doesn't fit or align with my personality versus the why you're doing it to begin with. Mm. Like, what's the end result? We get too confused on the ways something can be done. And, and that gets confusing for a lot of folks where they confuse the way they're doing something with the purpose of the or the reason behind doing it in the first place. When you help a family, for example, you know, primarily what I work with is real estate professionals. When you help a family buy their first home or their first investment property or sell a house or eliminate the debt or the burden that a forbearance foreclosure was was creating. What do you feel about that when you're successful? When you help your company recruit new talent and they say yes, and they sign on the dotted line and you've just top graded the organization as a whole. And now there's a whole new level of talent. What do you feel about that? Man, or I, I feel like I could glare into the sun and not go blind because I'm superhuman. Right. Yeah, and I think that this is the key thing is, is when I am in alignment with my values, when I am in alignment with my mission and vision, then I actually am running optimally. I'm in flow, as the, the book would refer to. It's, it's, I used to have a 67, my first car was a 67 Plymouth Valiant, and there was nothing in alignment about that car. It was scary to drive it at 55 miles an hour down the highway. Back then, that was the speed limit way back in the day. It, but it was scary because nothing was in alignment. It shaped. It shook, it shaked, it shook, it, it rattled, it rolled. It was just, it was a piece of junk and it got me from point A to B. But when a car is out of alignment, it's a scary place to go, especially the faster you go. I think this is just my, my hallucination. I think a lot of people are going really fast, but they're out of alignment with their values, vision, and mission. And therefore they're scared. They're stressed. They're, yeah, what, they're just out what of What happens alignment. if I am successful? If you're selling a product, for Gosh, example, yeah. that you don't believe in and you don't buy in and you wouldn't be happy for somebody to take it home, unwrap it, apply it in their in their life, plug it in, um, or or join that organization because of what's going to be different. If you don't believe in the end result, you're going to have a really, really hard time. I think what my, one of my takeaways from this is that that our the audience just getting tactical. Be really clear on your mission, vision, values, and that that's not because it's a corporate 
mantra. It's just personally, what, what is your mission in life? What is your vision? How do you see that happening? And, and I think that that changes. I think that vision changes with, with time. And, and then vision changes. Value, vision changes. The values change our mission. Yeah. You know, understand that your mission and your vision and your values are allowed to change. Your vision has been changing your entire life. You know, your vision of when you're 16, you want to get your driver's license so you can drive a car. And then, you know, you're you're 18, get your first job or or you're getting to your get into your preferred college or school or, you know, get a get a better paying job or maybe get the pretty girl, a pretty guy to like you and and go on dates. And maybe you're, there, there's always an evolution of vision of when you look into the future, what are you excited about seeing, achieving, experiencing? Who do you want to share that with? There's an element of vision that we've always had. I, when when adults seem to hit the mid thirties to to early fifties, they seem to start getting confused around now. What's the rest of my life need to look like? Yeah. Am I going to save humanity? Am I going to be Mother Teresa? Uh, there's nothing right or wrong with those missions, but most people don't operate that way their entire life. And then they get to a point and they act like they have to have the rest of their life figured out in the second or the third chapters. Values change what people value early and, and, and what they value in later life. They change. And I think there's this idea that once you're set on your mission, vision, values, that they're stuck and they're going to stay that way. I mean, you see well, I think people attention. That, I think that value marriage when they go into it together and, and one of them stops valuing it. Or I promise if you have a spouse that values monogamy and you have a spouse that decides they don't value monogamy, that's probably going to create some challenges. One of them <laughs> is going to have to give on that value. But values do change and they alter as you as you mature in life and you experience different things and you and you find what's really important in the end game. So as I listen to you, I think that one of the takeaways can be is if we're in tension and we feel like we're out of alignment, we need to ask, number one, am I clear? Number two, was the clarity of yesterday sufficient for today? Yes. I, I, Jessie's the only mom on this, this, this podcast, and she knows it's just almost universal. Every mother's values change almost immediately at the birth of their child. I mean, I'd agree. all of a sudden, yes, things change. They just do. There's something innate within a mom and it's powerful it's really strong and, and and that's what i'd have to ask myself did something happen where now i'm out of alignment with what i valued yesterday i mean when i was 16 i valued a whole bunch of stuff that i did it's just not important to me now and yeah. I, I love that so permission is granted for us when we're in friction number one are we clear number two do we need to challenge what we valued and what we saw yesterday a success is that still valid today challenge yeah. And that's that's the sad part about young people today. Young people value things that that as you get older, you look back and it's and it's and it, of course there's some judgment around it. But you look back and say, "Oh, honey, you have no idea. You you value those high school relationships and whether or not you're popular and and what those people think of you and if you fit in. Um, you value that to the to the point. I mean, to the extreme point in some cases yeah. that that's like the entire world is what other people think of you and whether you fit in or not. And yeah, only time I see people that I I knew from from 
you know, school in that age um, is on Facebook. <laughs> it, and, and, it's, and it's a rarity. There's certain not the same level of value placed on what they think or what they think of my life than uh, I would expect and hope at some point young people realize values do change. What's important is you periodically take a break, step back and ask yourself, what's important to me? What do I value? Where do I spend my time? Zig Ziglar once said, show me your checkbook and your calendar and I'll show you what's really important to you in your life. Periodically audit our calendar and our checkbook. Do we periodically audit the values that we have and the mission and is what I'm doing aligned with that mission? Do they run parallel? Do they complement one, one another? Or do they absolutely run like two bulls in the middle of a field head to head? If I'm successful at this corporate role or this day-to-day business practice or what needs to get done for the role that I've agreed to or my job description, et cetera, when I'm successful, does it violate my own personal values or disgrace slash compromise my mission statement? Mm, so good. I mean, if my mission statement is to, to save the whales and my day-to-day job is dumping toxic sludge or plastics into the ocean, I'm going to have a problem. <laughs> Lucas, Jesse, what do you think someone should do if they're struggling with that internally is, is what I'm doing connected with who I am and where I want to go and who I want to help or make a difference to? I think you need your mirrors first. So like I call your mirrors, the people in your life that know you better. Sometimes then you might know yourself, right? I need those people in, in, in my coaches, but I think I mean, step one is to do that really, really painful exercise is to go and actually look yourself in the mirror. Who am I? What am I doing? What did I really do today? How do I feel about that? And like, look yourself in the mirror and do it. So that's step one is to get painfully honest with yourself about where you're at and how you feel. I, you know, I I think for me is, it's, it's practicing a pause and, and being very real with how I think and how I feel about current reality. And I think that that's, I think, I think self-awareness is for me, I'm just speaking personally, self-awareness is probably something I'm constantly working on. Am I justifying stuff? Am I reasoning stuff? Am I fighting with myself? You know, it's, I think for me, it's, I need a, I, one of the takeaways I took from Keith Cunningham's book, um, The Road Less Stupid, is I, and I'm not good at it yet, I'm, I'm still working on it, is the book thinking time. To book time with predetermined questions that I'm going to go into this hour, think about these questions, and literally shut everything else off. And I, I need a routine, uh, routinize that, make it a routine, make it a, uh, make it a, a habit. Because I, I think, this is just my thought right now, I think so much of life is run on autopilot and reacting, and it's based upon my programming and deeply held beliefs that I'm not even aware are at work. And so I think that programming thinking time, watching my emotional state, I'm reading The, the Mountain Is You by Brianna Weeks right now, and, and just thinking through, okay, 
what part of this is me on some level self-sabotaging what's really important to me? And honestly, Drew, I think sometimes success is my self-sabotage to the mission. I could succeed at an inferior goal. And because I could succeed at something, I succeed at that. Say, whoa, I won. But internally, I know that I really didn't win because I'm not being true to myself. I'm not being authentic. I'm not being being who God created me to be. And so I I think for me, the, the stop is really spend time thinking and reflecting. And I don't want to get into navel gazing. I, I, I don't want to get into where it's like so deeply internal that I'm no earthly good. I, but I, I think for me, it's like this whole question of authenticity is spend time thinking and come in with predetermined questions that I'm, I'm going to think about this and I'm going to journal and I'm going to write, I'm going to reflect, and then I'm going to go do, because this is what I, I've discovered. As I do that, I actually get more done. The, the enemy of think time is, oh gosh, I got so much to do. The reality is when I plan it, I actually get more done. <laughs> Jamie currently. I, I keep on messing up the name. We just heard her say that there's an infinite difference between self-confidence and self-esteem. And I think we, we've, we've interchanged those words. Self-confidence, I know I can do the task. Self-esteem is, I know I'm worthy. I know I'm, I'm, I'm worth it, right? And I think that's a big distinction. Yeah. Don't know that we solved it, but here's the, here's the deal is we raised the question. And I think that the question is worth raising and, and wrestling through and getting clarity around. I'd add this. If you're not clear where to say no, then you may find yourself being in, inauthentic. If you're not absolutely clear where the line is in the sand that you won't cross and the boundaries or the things that you agree to, you may find yourself just agreeing to everything and, and ask yourself do i know where my boundaries are and where i'll say no what i'd say no to if you don't then you may find yourself being inauthentic at times or doing things that feel out of alignment with your value system or your missions because so often it's just you know i see people so quick to say yes and then the regret the decision almost instantly and I recently heard a really good filter. Uh, if you say yes to something and then it's canceled, would you feel regret or rejoice?